Today's guest is Jason Waller, a serial entrepreneur, an author, host of a reality TV show now that features his whole family called Bam Fam, which will be available on Amazon. What this episode is about truly is something inspiring. See, Jason himself was on the way to becoming a public CEO, even started taking classes for it. What you may not know yet before you've listened to this is that Jason has not come from the CEO class, and and that wasn't the path that was expected, and yet that is exactly who he is, and he's one hell of a salesman. So whether you're in sales, uh, an entrepreneur looking to understand what the future might hold as you begin to create a massive success, which is what he's done, and what obstacles may come from that beyond your own fault and how to deal with the backlash, to how to manage the pressures you face at home with family as you live and lead the entrepreneurial life, to even having thousands of employees and what that looks like, the fact that he's a business coach. I could go on and on, but that's what this episode is for. So if all of those piqued your interest, get ready for one hell of an episode. Without further ado, Jason Waller. All right. Uh, I got to say, I'm definitely excited to have you here, Jason. It's uh, it's a pleasure. You know, I, I don't often get to talk to somebody that uh, understands the chair I'm in, uh, yeah. you know, as a host. But also, uh, I'm always curious how an entrepreneur does it, because no matter how many times I've spoken to entrepreneurs, they always have their own unique journey, even though there are, of course, the hero journey elements that come right. into play for all of us. Um, I was asking myself over and over again, like, where could I start this conversation with someone as prolific and who's doing as much as you are all at the same time? And I thought, why don't we start here? How far back does your first memory of money come in terms of like how important it might be in mm -hmm. your life? Like, where does that start for you? Uh, well, my dad was a blue collar guy, worked at AT&T, um, third shift, also delivered papers. So uh, I helped him deliver papers and go to school. And we struggled a lot. And when he had an opportunity to open up a business with his friend, this is back when movies, I'm telling my age now, when, when movie and video stores were popping right before Blockbuster became Blockbuster, there were uh, there were all these mom pops out there. And my dad's friend owned like 32 stores in Arizona. And my dad was getting transferred. AT&T was closing their plant. He was getting transferred to North Carolina. And I remember him having a conversation. I was eavesdropping with my mom, like, hey, Mike is willing to open me up a sub shop. And my mom used to decorate cakes at Fry's, which was a bakery and a, and a grocery store. And you, a bakery next to that were the smells of the subs and the and the cookies and the cakes can go through to the video store. And what do you think? And they were again, my dad was excited. Mom was like, yeah, but Jeremy and Jesse, that's my little brother and sister have asthma. And, you know, I don't know, like, you know, you've got 10 more years and you can retire from AT&T and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And so he chose to play it safe. And when he did and we moved to, you know, at the time I was 14, we moved to North Carolina. Now I lived in a trailer park. I didn't even know what a trailer park was. You know, we had the worst cars like in the area, like no air conditioning, roll down the windows, drive 60 miles an hour to cool off. Um, it was just rough. I was getting made fun of at school, getting in a lot of fights. I had great grades, never started a fight. Still to this day, I've never, I've been in a lot of fights and I'm not trying to say I'm a badass, but I'm somewhat of a badass sometimes. I've never started a fight in my whole life, ever, ever, ever. And I just don't believe in that. 
but I just don't back down. And I remember getting picked on because I was wearing fake Tommy Hilfiger's and people were saying things about me. And I was like, I was getting judged because I had no money. I was getting judged because my parents were struggling to pay their bills. And I remember sitting there playing gin rummy with my mom and some friends. And I go, you know what? When that unicorn comes by for me, I'm jumping on it. I'm not going to play it safe and, and to not lose. I'm going to play to win. And so I kind of had that mentality. So later on, you know, like my first job, you know, I, I ended up having a kid when I was in high school. So I didn't finish high school. I ended up being this crazy salesperson um, online for this bank was their top salesperson. Then I became this top salesperson at, at AT&T Cell. And then I became this top salesperson at Verizon Wireless. And then I opened my own company and started crushing it. And the, the story just goes on from there. But I just had this mentality. I saw how hard my parents had it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are some people that are meant in this world to go out and just be hardworking people. There's nothing wrong with it and do that. But I had this fire and I coach people in this in my belly that said, that's not me. And I don't want to struggle two or three jobs to just do this. I want to I want to be more than enough. I got things to prove and I'm tired of being judged because something I can't control. Oh man. Yeah. No, I, the, I can see now how personal the uh, issue of money is. And honestly, for a lot of people, it is just some people admit it more than others of like how that impacts them. I know for me, my relationship with money determines a lot of how I operate in the world. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful that you opened up about that and I can, I can vividly see what you were sharing and yeah, the, the, the sentiments that you may have felt and how that drove you forward. So you mentioned you're coaching people on this as well, alongside other things. You know, it seems like on the outside looking in that you're doing a lot of different things and people always warn about that, like, hey, don't be a jack of all trades. Don't do but but I see an alignment in all the things that you do. However, when you're working with people, do you ever find yourself having to tell people to rein it in and to align more with what they're doing? Or is I it, do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Can, can yeah. I, I, so I'm that? a big believer and I and I and I believe this in coaching sales is that you can't go wide in life because you don't go far. You got to go deep. It's how I run a business. It's how we teach sales. It's how we market. It's how when sales guys go into a home, we don't want to give a menu and options. We want to keep it simple, stupid. Like this is it. We want to go deep. You don't want to go wide. And that's why I surround myself with other people that can help go wide. However, you know, I've, I built four companies in my life and three um, were all successful exits of $10 million or more. And then the, and then, um, let me rephrase that. Two were successful exits of $10 million or more. The third one was valued at a billion dollars. And we were doing a reverse merger. We were supposed to close last year in, in July. Um, and we built that company from the ground up. I had 2,400 employees. We were in 17 states. I had solar on five NFL stadiums. I mean, you name it, we had the best reputation. We were the company for solar, using American-made panels, all of the things, the number one battery provider, we're partnered with Generac, all of these things. And then we had a product liability issue that hit us in March or April of 2022, where all of a sudden thousands, not tens, not hundreds, thousands of our customers, systems weren't working literally overnight. And Generac sent a firmware update on it and it, it crashed their system where they still wasn't producing correctly. Customers were getting furious. We then became a service company, not a sales and installation company. The model switch, we went eight years straight consecutive, over 50 to 100% growth, you know, EBITDA profitable every year. We made, you know, did 650 million in revenue in 2021. And I told you, we're getting ready to go public. We had 54 offers for our company, private and public. We had the whole thing. Everything was planned out with, I told you, solar and NFL stadiums, everything. This came in 
spiraled for the first time ever to lay off people, downsize the company, then go through 90 more days, lay off more people, downsize the company, kind of right the ship. Then we finally figured out what was going on. We had to sue Generac because they didn't do a national recall. So we sued them for a billion dollars. And then we're fighting this fight to clean up the mess from their product. And we're continuing to build up the sales thing again. And the money ran out. Generac stiffed us for 90 million. We ended up closing. So I went from building this company for eight years and being this big CEO that was taking classes to be a public CEO. CEO to crashing and losing personally $400 million. The company closed. They had to lay off all these people, gave millions back to cover the final payroll. And so I was sitting, staring at myself this past October. What do I do? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And, um, I had a, you know, I've been lucky. I've had three podcasts. Now I had uh, the true underdog, which was a top five podcast from 2020 to late 2022. And then I had the BAM podcast that I opened up in October 2022. I just recently shut it down. It became a top three podcast. And I decided I'm going to, I created the podcast called Unleashed two weeks ago. And it's climbing the charts like crazy. But it, I don't, I'm not pigeonholed to money and, and business. I can talk about aliens, which I like talking about. I can talk about graham crackers. I can talk about politics, kids, our reality TV show we're getting ready to do. It allows me to be dynamic. And so I did that, but that was part of it. What am I going to do? So I'm going to do this podcast. Okay, well, what else? And a friend of mine and a coach of mine, Dan Locke, I don't know if you know him. I love him dearly. He's one of the best people on the planet. Reaches out to me. Here's what happened. He's like, Jason, I, I can't believe this happened to you. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, you got to be a coach. It's like, he's like, dude, like you spent hundreds of millions of dollars on digital lead gen. You are a master of AI. You're a master of building sales teams. You've done a TED talk. You can speak. You wrote a book like, dude, this is your calling. So I started flirting with it a little bit and I got some pretty good clients. And then what I realized is I, was, I wasn't charging enough. I was getting clients and I was changing their world and they're making tens of millions of dollars and I'm getting pulled in 50 directions and I'm not building again. So I'm like, okay, so I'm doing something wrong here. I'm getting everybody and anybody and I'd have people pay and I'd try to help them and then they wouldn't put the work in because they weren't paying enough. I'm like, he's like, and he was trying to get me to charge crazy amounts. And I was like, I'm never gonna charge that. So I started real low and started to scale up. And then what I realized, I said, look, I got to build another company, but I don't want to build a billion dollar business. I want to build five $200 million companies. And I want to bring all the people that kind of were there with me to try to make this happen, give them some equity skin in the game and start these companies, you know, almost simultaneously. We'll do one. And then immediately after that, a few months, we'll do another one. So we're in with one right now. It's a home service company. It's been open for about eight months. We just broke, we'll do break 2 million in sales this month. We're eight months old. It took me 19 months to do that in solar. We'll break 2 million in sales and we're profitable. We're in two states. So now I'm getting ready to open a water filtration company. I'm passionate about changing the world. I was passionate about solar and I'm passionate about clean water, drinking water. So I'm talking to a few companies looking to do a deal sooner than later to where we can offer water filtration for, you know, anyone nationwide, maybe even global, where they're able to, to, to actually create water from the air not have to do reverse osmosis, things like this. So it's like some next level stuff. And I'm excited about that. Go back to the coaching. Do I just still do coaching? Yes, but it's limited. It's limited because I still want to build companies and I want to help those. I say no a lot. I want to help those that want real help. I want to help those that, hey, they're starting up and they want to get to 5 million this year, or they're doing 5 million, they want to get to 25 million, or they're doing 50 million, they want to get to 200 million, or they want to raise capital. So I, they, I'm, I, I put a big price tag on it because I'm worth every penny to move the needle. So I, I do have four or five clients I work with intimately. And I've been told, you should do a big group, you should do this, do a mastermind. And I'm just busy still building companies. And then we did a deal with Amazon, and now we have a reality TV show that was going to start 
as a business show where I go in and fix all these companies and I'm this, you know, coach that's built these businesses and have struggled and made money and, and know how to do this and help these businesses to when they got a taste and a hold of my family, they said, hold on, we need to do a family reality TV show. And Jason, we only need about 20% of your business stuff. So that's what we've been filming for the last couple months. Uh, they come back next week to continue to film. Uh, we've got you know, a deal with Amazon, and then probably we'll end up doing season two or season three with Bravo or TLC or maybe Amazon or, or Netflix. But So I've been focused on that. It's called the Bam Fam. And really, it's the whole story of me being an entrepreneur and doing these things and being a solution-based human being and having to come home to a house full of my wife, three daughters, two of them are grown with two grandkids and my son. And now I, I'm still solution-based. They don't like it. They want me to be comfort-based and I don't run anything at home. They do. And that's kind of the dynamic of the show. Oh man, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, just the the whole situation with the uh, solar company generac yeah yeah generac and that whole fiasco could have been a whole episode in itself i oh mean i feel God. like you've lived so many lifetimes and there's still litigation <laughs> going on in that like this is going to last for several years and oh, you know what's man. crazy is people don't realize this they're like well generac's a big tri publicly traded company that's why we entrusted them but we you know the the tide will turn on them and it already has when we closed their stock cut in half and they went from 12 billion to 6 billion. And you know, the things that they did wrong, they should have done a national recall. I tell people this all the time. You know, if I sold electric cars, right? The easiest way to understand this, if I sold electric cars and it was manufactured by, I don't know, we could use Tesla, Ford, whoever, it doesn't matter. And I have a car dealership and I only sell electric cars. And I'm one of the best dealerships selling electric cars all day, every day. One of the largest in the country, profitable, doing all these good things with all these foundations. The NFL players are buying from us because we have all the best deals, whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden, two cars catch on fire. Nobody dies. And I'm calling the manufacturer and I'm like, hey, manufacturer, we got two cars that caught on fire. This doesn't make sense. What's going on? And the manufacturer goes, hey, Jason, hey, we've got this firmware update that we're going to send to these electric cars that's going to fix everything are you sure manufacturer absolutely you're positive yes great we get it all in writing we do all the things the firmware sent out we are jugging along selling more electric cars thinking it's fine and guess what Ten thousand of these electric cars they're not catching on fire here's what they're doing the battery's only working maybe five percent or ten percent of what's supposed to so all these people that came to buy electric cars to save on gas right? You got solar to save on power. They bought these electric cars to save on gas. Oh, their batteries only lasting like 25, 30 miles. They're pissed. Who are they pissed at? Not the manufacturer. They're pissed at our company. So then they come in the dozens, the hundreds, the thousands. We had an A plus with the BBB in 17 states for eight years. A plus, that's unheard of. We had 200 complaints in eight years, 208 years, 40,000 customers in 90 days in 2022. When this happened, we had 1,100 complaints in 90 days. Oh, wow. We went from 800 phone calls to 30,000 in one month. So there's a problem, right? Obviously, it's like well, we didn't forget how to sell solar and install solar. So <laughs> same thing with these cars. All of this happened. They come by. We're going back and forth. The manufacturer got to replace this. So now instead of selling new cars, we're fixing all these, waiting for a bill. Manufacturer never pays us. We close. That's what happened to our company. So I learned a lot in that, you know, and things happen for a reason. I don't know what happened there because 2,300 people lost their job. Customers got left in the dark. Like it's bad, but I know Generac kind of hid from that. It's a slam dunk case. We've got them on, you know, and I talk about it because it's in the lawsuit. We've got them on zoom calls and everything saying this was on us. We should have done more due diligence. We'll make this right. All of the things, but they didn't, and they have enough money to ride that out. We ended up closing 
And I can either sit in the mud and cry and boohoo and not do anything and show my family and show the world that this big bad company destroyed our company and destroyed my brain and did this and I just sit there. Or I could say, hey, I'm going to rebuild. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm building these other companies, giving people opportunity, adding jobs, adding value, getting customers things that they could use in life and better themselves. And then I get to coach some, which is exciting. And then the reality show kind of ties it all together. Yeah, that was going to be where I was going to follow things up. Uh, you know, in speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs, often something actually it's quite rare that I run into someone as open as you have been about like a a, a big ob obstacle like that that seemingly would cause most people to quit. What mm. was the internal dialogue like? Because it's sometimes, it's especially it's like, it's easier to coach others. Even as friends, you can offer yeah. your friend advice all day and you still won't follow your own advice. So uh, if I could just dig into the mind for a second, for anyone who's listening, who seemingly is facing an issue, probably not on the same scale, but they're in the startup world. How can they borrow from that experience and some of what you do internally? Is it, do, is it sports? Is it family? What keeps you aligned and, and focused and willing to get up the next day? Well, Phil, that's a great question. And I would say that when this happened, you know, it's all relative, whether it's big or small, it's relative, right? Um, whatever your issues are for listeners out there, the people that people go through these problems. What hurt here is I had this wonderful brand. I had this TED talk. I had this book. I was on all our TV commercials. You know, we were going to be public. You know, we're doing all this philanthropy stuff. Like I was all over. I mean, it was just as good as it can get. I was a host on, on a couple TV shows for like, you know, two minute drill and stuff to I'm painted as the Wolf of Wall Street. And that was hard. And it was hard because that's not who I am. I'm all about integrity and loyalty and doing the right thing. And I've learned that you can't, have you heard the story about the tiger and the, and the, um, the tiger and the donkey? Uh, no. So I'm going to tell that to finish this, this answer because it's very important that people hear that so they understand. But I went through the first 90 days and I was angry and I was sad and I was lost. And I felt like I have a lot of NFL friends that retire and then they're lost with their identity. I was going through an identity issue. I was like, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I, this, my whole life was in this. I could have personally made hundreds of millions of dollars. I didn't. I left it all in the business and then lost it all. We paid ourselves a salary. We weren't pulling out distributions. Like we left it in there and I could have, now I have to start over. And it's like, oh, that seems tiring and exhausting. And now I'm in the hole because I'm painted as this bad business owner that did all these things. But really, that's not what happened. How do I get out of that? And I just kept telling myself, A, I prayed and B, I, I stayed believing like, look, I want to control one of my chapters in my book is, is create your own map. And I don't want someone else to dictate my map. And no matter what the obstacle is, whether I'm walking in mud, rain, snow, doesn't matter, uphill, downhill, I want to dictate me taking my steps, nobody else. So A, I got to build something else and do something else because I can't just sit here and wither away. And then B, what happened is, is as I started to build this other company really fast and do this new podcast that exploded. I found out and started in the coaching. My son was a big part of this. So was my wife. My wife was super supportive. And every time somebody wrote something negative online, she just wanted to rip their face off. And I'm like, honey, every time you give them energy, they're winning. Like, stop. But it was hurting her soul. She's like, my husband's a good man. And he gave all this back to the employees to make sure they had their final payroll. And it would bother her. And I'm like, we got nothing to prove. But we did, but but I didn't want to waste our time doing that. And my son would get got mocked at school because I was all over the news, like, oh, oh Pink Energy man. closes and the CEO. And so he had to deal with that. 
But he remembers they asked him um, who his idol was or who he, yeah, who his idol was. And he said, my dad, because everything that happened, my dad gave 110%. He's still out there building a new company, not listening to all the lies and stuff. And he works every day. And that's what I want to be like. So I was like, he tells me this about what he tells his teacher. And I'm like all emotional. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'm like, I can't quit now. Like no matter what, when your 13 year old son's doing that, your older daughters are like, you don't have a choice, right? It's like, there's no turning back now. So that pressure. But then I saw something on TikTok. And I saw this a couple months ago after I've already like started to build and, and my mind isn't in, because dude, if, if you sit in the mud, Man. you're going to believe the mud. If you sit in the noise, you're going to believe the noise. You got to move out. You can't sit. You got to move. And so I saw this thing on TikTok that was, <clears throat> it hit home so much. And so it, it was this, it, this video that said the tiger and the donkey were arguing about the grass being green or blue. And the donkey says to the tiger, the grass is blue. And the tiger says, no, the grass is green. And they're going back and forth. Donkey's like, it's blue. Tiger's like, it's green. Because let's go see the lion. They go see the lion, the king of the jungle. The donkey immediately jumps up and tells the lion, lion, the tiger is wrong. The grass is blue. Will you please tell him the grass is blue? Lion goes, grass is blue. Donkey goes, great. The tiger's been arguing with me all day about this. Can you please punish the tiger for being wrong and lying about this and arguing with me? The lion says, yes. I'm sorry, punish the tiger. He says, yes, I'm going to punish the tiger. Donkey goes off. Tiger goes to the lion, okay, I'm going to take my punishment, lion. Clearly the grass is green. Why did you say the grass is blue? He said, the grass is green. He said, well, then why are you saying the grass is blue? He said, you're not punished because the grass is green or blue. You're punished because you're a reputable, important animal here in the jungle, wasting your time arguing with a jackass who will not change their mind of what is right or wrong. And you shouldn't be wasting your energy doing that. Therefore, you're going to be punished. And so that hit home for me. I can't change everybody's mind. I can't make people believe what they want to believe. I know that if people believe in me, they're my people. If they don't, they're not. I'm focused on bettering the world, doing the best I can, keeping my core values, building a new business, coaching some of those folks, having a wonderful reality TV show to see an inside look about things and make it real. And then, you know, having a cool podcast. That's it. Oh, man. Isn't that a great story? Yeah, it's perfect, too. Right. The lion's like, dude, like you're wasting your time. It's like, how many times do we get stuck trying to defend ourselves to people that doesn't matter what you tell them? They'll never believe you. So don't waste your breath. You just can't. Every day, at every least, day, you know, <laughs> at least our once kids a day. do, our <laughs> wives do. We do like and I try to tell myself when people people snickers. And now that we got this reality show, especially where we live, it's like all over. They're talking about it. You know. If they don't like me, they don't like me. I don't care. Like, I'm still the same person. I'm still a good human being. I sleep well. I do everything I can to make a, a, a difference in this world. I don't need their validation. And when people learn that and they can control that, it's powerful. You know, that's that's where I was going to go uh, next. What was the... Um... There's this, uh, there's, there's this control that we, we no longer have over the privacy of our lives. And, you know, given what you just told me, I can also understand how important it was to be able to bring your family in on this because they knew who you were and they knew what you were all about as a family. And then this whole thing happened and, you know, you had to rebuild. Is it difficult having your entire family in the public eye or has it actually helped? Because, I mean, you mentioned, you know, how people were trying to mock your children at school, which is like, un like unbelievable. Like as if, as if they have anything. We had to death do. threats. People, I mean, some people know this. I said on Bradley's podcast, like we had a death threat. The FBI showed up at my house saying there was a biker gang that wanted to put a hit on me 
over this pink energy stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? This was like three days before Christmas. My wife was freaking out. I'm like, really? Like, we didn't do it. Like, it was, it was so bad. But I know where you're going with that. And I'll, I'll say this. We were approached. Um, I, I feel like I'm a polarizing person. Like, I've been on TV with Two Minute Drill, and I feel like, you know, I was the Kevin O'Leary of, like, Shark Tank. I was the hard ass on all of those people, right? And and my boy Meltzer's like, you got to be on here all the time because I love Meltzer, but, you know, he's just kind of playing Jane. And, I, you know, I'd bring the heat and the, and the and you know, the energy. And so I know that, and I've done all my TV commercials, not by choice. We actually had Morgan Freeman hired, and our guys were like, nope, let's save five million bucks. You need to do them. And then I, <laughs> oh, I can get into character. I'm pretty good at this. So... Long story short, we were approached about two years ago to do a show. Um, we said no. Um, you know, my girls were a little younger then. You know, my, my kids are 24, 19, 16, and 13. But two or three years ago, the ages were, were lower. But, you know, two of my daughters, my two oldest, have been begging to do a reality TV show. When you're going to be a public CEO, you cannot do that. So the answer was no, no, and more no. When the company crashed and I got approached to do this business show, um, my two oldest daughters like, well, it's going to be about you, dad, Mr. Bam, show about Mr. Bam, fixing the world, nothing about us. That's how my girls' personalities are. And I'm like, honey, they approached me like, I love you guys, but what have you done? It's always about you, dad. Like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> that's how the girls are, right? And so it made me think and laugh. And so we're going through the process. And then when the director and all them started seeing, oh, my goodness, your life. And I made the comment to him. I said, listen. Have you ever seen the Osbournes? You ever seen it? Yeah, of course. Okay, so I'm like Aussie, right? I go out to the world and I'm just this badass. Let's go get them. Rah! Then I go home and they don't even take me seriously. They, <laughs> they make fun of me. They run stuff. Like I'm the joke when I go home, right? And that's just, it's the same thing with Aussie. So it's kind of like that dynamic. And so when I was telling the producer about this and he's like, and I, and I said, listen, I don't want to make an entrepreneur business. Like you get the HG, HGTV shows that are just flipping homes. That's great. But you, that's your only audience is that. You get these shows that are just reality. Your only audience is this. I said, what if you do a blend? What if you do the family reality? And then 15, 20% of it is, how does this guy have money? What does he do for a living? How is, it, how is this family like this? Then you show a highlight of, oh, he's running companies or he's coaching people or he's got a podcast and who's on his podcast now? And they were like, dude, that's golden. So that's what they started to film and that's how it came about. And, and then, of course, my two daughters were like, yeah, and, and probably... My oldest daughter will probably be the star of the show anyways, just because she's the funniest person on the planet and definitely has the driest humor in the world. Um, but my two youngest are like, we don't want to be in the show. And that's what makes the show interesting because my 16 year old, 13 year old are like, no, don't film me. But that's their personality and they'll be fine. They'll be okay. They'll thank me later. It's not <laughs> going to be a bad thing. My wife finally got on board. She used to be super camera shy, but you know, she's very sassy to me. People like seeing that stuff. Um, people ask her all the time, how are you married to Jason? She's like, oh, I can tame him. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's a good, and we've been together since high school. Right. And that's oh, hard. Wow. There's a lot. Like, we met when she was 15 or she was 14. I was 15. We had a kid when she was 17 and I was 18. You know, we got two grandkids and she's 42 and I'm 43. So, you know, people are like, how did you do it? And look, it's not easy. Like, trust me, there's times I wanted to throw her through a building. There's times she threw me <laughs> through a building. Like, that's how it works. But you got to have that personality. And I think that we have big personalities that it'll be entertaining.
And I think it'll be educational because I was just talking to the producer today. He's like, well, do you think it'll be educational? I said, dude, all the business tips and things that people can see inside, yes. But all the family dynamic, because people talk about family balance, there isn't one. It's moments and memories. When you get home, make them count. Don't get home and be like, I'm going in the room. You're going upstairs. Like, hell no, get down here and do dinner. Let's play cards. Let's do something, even if you're only home for an hour to see them. And I, I, you know, I, I coach that in mindset and I believe in that. And so I can show that on the show. And I just think it'll be something different. And it wasn't my idea to do the show. It was theirs. We just kind of changed it. And now I think it'll be okay. And, you know, it's kind of, my son's like, it's kind of corny, dad. Like some of the stuff that you guys, you know, you're filming is corny. And, you know, when you post <laughs> things, it's corny. And I'm like, let's look at your TikTok, dude. And we look at his and he's sharing videos. And I go, oh, tough guy sharing videos. Good job. That's, that's real original. And, you know, that's our argument. Right. And so that kind of stuff gets filmed. He plays a lot of football. Um, you know, he is the only one in the house that won't eat any carbs. And so we have to sneak carbs in the house and eat around the corner. That's a fact. Like he's this carb, I don't know, ninja. Like you're not allowed to have carbs or you're a bad human being. He told me the other day, <laughs> we're on our way back from practice. There's a there's an awesome uh, slushy place called uh, Pelicans. And dude, I'm kind of chubby, dude. I got a dad bod. Like from here up, I look buff, but I got a dad bod and I don't care. Like I own that, okay? It's 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 real man bod. That's what I said. <laughs> That's say. right. I ain't, got, I ain't got time for six packs because I'm not selfish, right? I'm I'm a good person. So I got a little belly and it's and it's, it's people dig it. But I'm, we're on our way back and I'm like, dude, we got to go to Pelicans, get a snow cone. He said, I ain't going to Pel Like, no. I said, dude, we just had, it was like 100 degrees out for two hours. He's like, you didn't even do anything. I said, I was yelling at you guys. He goes, no. Like, I said, dude, we're going. He's like, you're fat. I'm like, what? Oh, He's like, you're so, you're going to get diabetes, man. You're just fat. Like, all you do is want to eat sugar. Like, you're just fat. And I said, well, I'm going to get one. I said, you want a sugar-free one? He said, I don't want one. So I go and I get him the kitty, this big, the kitty <laughs> uh, pina colada sugar-free. And then I get me the avalanche. That's the right. 40 ounce extra juice. Throw some nerds in that bad boy at the bottom and the top. Double it with grapefruit and pineapple. That's the flavor I want. Load me up. They're just looking at me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking this to town. So I go in there. It's a giant one for me. And this baby hand it to me. Just looks at me. I drive and not say nothing because I know his game. He does make sure I'm not looking. He's eating his little one. Gets done with it in like three seconds. Goes, Can I taste yours? Yeah. The prick finished it. The entire home <laughs> drinks it all. I'm out. Do I go, hey, little No, I don't say anything to him. I'm just thinking this little shithead calls me a fat ass, tells me I'm going to get diabetes, eats the whole damn thing, leaves me a little bit, right? But that And that wasn't recorded. It was a story I had to tell. But like that's my relationship with my son. And you got, you know, and so, but it's important as a dad to know, am I supposed to give him hell? No, let him have a treat. He deserved it, right? And And take the wounds. Like if he feels better, trying to get me to be healthy. I'm not going to go and cry. My son thinks that I don't care if it makes him like, because he tells me, dad, you need to work out. You need to do this. What are you doing? He gives me a hard time. I'm okay with that. I love it, man. I mean, I can see the love in the family and, you know, like a, like a true leader as part of the yeah. family, you, you do your best to, to allow everyone their space to be who they are. And I can, I can imagine that the way you ran your companies was a lot like that, you know, uh, wherever, wherever it mattered and wherever it made sense, you allowed people to be who they were. And I'm sure that's, as I, as I listen more and more to you, I'm sure that's maybe possibly, and I don't know for sure, but my intuition tells me is the secret sauce behind a lot of your success is your ability to allow others kind of like in music to play their solos whenever they yeah. feel like playing a solo. And for me, that's exciting to see, man, you know, as I sit here and get to know you through this conversation, 
Uh, well, you know, it took time to learn that because when you're running a company as an entrepreneur, the number one mistake is we try to control everything and we think we know it all. And I went through years of that. And I eventually had to move to Michigan. We're back in North Carolina, but we moved to Michigan three years and allow my executives to grow. I had to give them the space for the sun to shine on them and them to grow. Because as long as I was there, I was inspecting what I expected every time and therefore almost hindering their growth and our company's growth. Because you can't be great at everything. You talked about going wide or deep. You can be great at one or two things, but you got to get other people. Like when your company gets big enough, it's not Superman and it's not Batman and Robin. It's Avengers. You got to have people that put it together. And so for our Christmas parties, when we did all these holiday parties and we gave it all this money to the team, we would announce our entire executive staff and they were one of the Avengers coming in. I was Captain America. Kevin was Hulk. This other guy was Thor. Like they were coming in and announced because it takes it takes the Avengers and then it takes the whole village to be successful and you have to separate and do it. And it took years to figure that out, but that's so important. And I tell people that I coach people that I preach it on my podcast and I share it with my family and it'll be a lot on the show. It's like, don't expect to be the best at everything and don't try to control them because you will only stop and hurt yourself and the entire thing. Everything is about the brand and the business. What's best for that? And you got to put your, your ego and your selfish ways to the side and be able to build around. Like in 2017, I didn't even know what EBITDA was. You told me now I'm like an EBITDA ninja because I had to learn. I had to bring someone on to help raise capital. And I'm like, I've done 200 presentations. I have 54 offers. I can do backflips about it now. But before I couldn't, and I had to own that and bring someone that could. I love it, man. You know, I, I feel like I could talk to you forever and I know we don't have that amount of time. So I think the most relevant question is you have a lot of things that, that you're working on and a lot of opportunities for people to come into contact with you. What would you say, in your opinion, is the best way for people to experience you? On what channel do you want them to connect with you on to learn more about? Obviously, all of them. But if there was an entry point and you had your way of funneling people there, where would that be? I would go to Instagram at Jason Waller Bam. That's J-A-Y-S-O-N-W-A-L-L-E-R-B-A-M. From there, you can see the podcast Unleashed and you can see the link to the Bam Fam show that comes out in December of this year. I love it, man. And yeah. you can count on me joining there too. Appreciate uh, with that, that said, I, I can't thank you enough for your time and thank you for stopping by. Thanks, man. You know, I can't thank you enough for listening to this show and any episode that you've listened to. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, follow, leave a review, all the things. Find us on social media, uh, even connect with me on social media. Whatever the case is, the more you support this show, the more I can do this show and the more stories and lessons I can bring to you. I don't have to say this to you, but I wanted to take the time to genuinely say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to not only me ask provoking questions, but also for listening to the guests and allowing for them to share their wisdom with you. Everyone who comes on the show earned that wisdom through hard-fought battles, trials and tribulations actually out in the field, as they say. So I appreciate it. Please join us for the next episode. And again, thank you.